0: Do you find me fuckable in my tight leather pants? If you find me touchable, extend your hand for a grab
1: welcome to hard talks with chris and friends where topics that are hard or will make you hard are talked about where things get real and unfiltered here is your host christopher velasquez Hello you guys, welcome back to another episode. Um we will be talking about kind of the pursuit of happiness and I think as Hispanics, you know, our parents come to this country and they're they're following the American dream and and what that is. But I think us first generation, I mean I'm first generation, um we'll find out what um what my guest is, but I'm first generation and my my pursuit of happiness is completely different than than my mom's and I think sometimes those worlds don't know how to you know how to mash together and it's hard it's hard being at least first generation sometimes because there's a lot of weight on you but in the same time there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of wishful thinking and a lot of power in that because there's no limits the world might seem a little big and it might seem scary but i think there's at least a couple people that i know that have taken big old chunks from it and have done amazing things that at least keeps me going and keeps me motivated to do more because i'm like you know if he could do it i can do it so today i'm gonna talk to a fellow guatemalan and mexican um he is a influence marketing he is one of ad weeks 30 under 30 and one of the most inspiring hispanic and i could keep going with all the accolades he got in but why don't we welcome jose Resende? how are you hey what's up thank you for having me how's quarantine quarantine
0: has been good to me Except for that one time that
1: I got the, except that one, you know, that really small thing that happened.
0: I'm so excited to be on your podcast. I've been listening to all the episodes, and they truly are some hard talks. Because you know, there some of the topics are very. Uh, they're just not easy like walking the park. So I'm kind of nervous about what you're going to ask me on this episode. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to try to be as open oh. as possible. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> That's all I ask for you to yeah. just open I'm up. I'm pretty
0: flexible. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Oh, I think we're having a different conversation. I think this was not the conversation <laughs> we were supposed to have on the podcast. I try to have, like I, I was telling someone, I try to make these episodes sound like just two friends having conversations. So whoever's listening feels like they're part of this friendship and they're just listening to a conversation between two friends which we are we haven't met right in person we haven't met in person um we haven't met in person but i feel like i know you from the bushes you have a from the (laughs) i've seen you (laughs) in the bushes i think um No, I've seen you on Grindr. Oh, no, wait, that wasn't (laughs) me. You have an amazing podcast. Yes, the Homo Homie podcast. The Homo Homie
0: podcast has been amazing to us. We have so many listeners from around the world, too, because we get all these updates like, oh, your your podcast is trending on the sexual charts and the relationship charts and the dating charts of like Italy and Chile and Mexico. And it's like, oh, crap, you know, Eric, the Homo Homie, uh, he's such an awesome person and personality. So the podcast has been great and we're excited to come back for season two we took a break because of coronavirus and just the logistics behind recording each episode we like to do it in person and you know it's a whole production and photo shoots and all that stuff so we're excited to
1: come back but yeah no I feel like I got to know you because of that I mean you honestly had a lot of people that I really admire and that I've talked to for okay years you had some you had Santana, you, you know, you, you've had a lot of my friends and every time I'd like hit you up and been like, I know this person. <laughs> Why do you keep taking all my friends and putting them on the show? You know, so, and you, in that, in that podcast, you tell a lot yes. of your story. So I feel like I know you, we haven't met in person, but I feel like I know you and, um, we've, we've been in men groups together and that's monthly. So, so I feel like I, I know you good enough <laughs> just around we just haven't met in person but and i mean hopefully we will soon we've talked about going to drag race yeah. viewing parties i mean it sucks it sucks because i think we were talking about it when all stars mm-hmm. started so we weren't able to go watch any of the drag race girls yeah. we
0: were actually uh trying to be one of the featured podcasts uh at drag con los angeles so hopefully we get that opportunity next year And if anybody from World of Wonder is listening, (laughs) from DragCon LA uh, Productions, I mean, the drag queen world has taken off even more because it's become so mainstream, you know, and it comes with the goods and the bads for for that community. But uh, I like to look at the positive side of it, and I'm just glad that it's reaching more households, you know, so... And I love that
1: you, you're you such a fan. I mean, no one sees this, but I have my last yeah, shirt I see on that. right now. <laughs> I, I mean, I love Drag Race and D- Drag Race has done a lot of things for me. And, I, and, I, and it's done a lot of things for queer visibility on TV. And I think a lot of doors were opened. Thanks to Drag Race. Nowadays, the trend is to bash Drag Race and to say Drag Race is not doing enough. But a lot of these things that they're like, hey, they're not doing enough, a lot of these things wouldn't be possible if Drag Race didn't just throw those doors open and make queerness and drag such a mainstream thing. And actually, I want to touch base on this
0: because I know that later on, we're going to talk about some other topics that are not the norm or like, you know, everyone's favorite. So... Drag or drag queens was one of those things for me. I moved here to Los Angeles about two years ago from Miami. And when I was in Miami, Jose in Miami was like, I didn't watch Drag Race. There was no, there's no drag con in Miami. I wasn't like a big fan of any drag queens and I not that I avoided drag shows it just was never on my to-do list it was never in my something that I wanted to do for fun it was just like oh I'm at the bar and oh in the background there's a drag queen performing and people were like oh my god that's so-and-so from so-and-so and And I'm like oh you mean the RuPaul show because I know who RuPaul is but that's it and it wasn't until Valentina came on the show and so it was brought to my attention yeah yeah yeah. somebody was like hey valentina is next door she's she's staying at the hotel next to your apartment i I lived in south beach i was like who and they, they were like, what? How, how can Jose, like, because I work with a lot of celebrities and I work in a lot of entertainment media. They're like, how could you not know who Valentina is? So I looked it up and I was hooked. And I was like, oh, it's like a reality show with like Fashion Runway. You know, it, it, it feels like Project Runway a little bit. But yeah, ever since then, I became a big fan. And, I, and I'm very uh, supportive of the people of color that make it on that show. And I'm always cheering for them. And yeah, Valentina's one of my favorites. Yeah.
1: Um, I think that goes back to like kind of what I was saying um, when, and I, I didn't ask you, are, what generation of Hispanic are you? Um, my parents are both uh, okay.
0: immigrant. Uh, actually, just my mom. My father was, he was raised in Mexico uh, most of his life. So my father's Mexican, my, my mother's Guatemalan. but I was born and raised in Texas.
1: So yeah, so you're like first generation. You're like me, just first generation. And I think for us... Um, first generations I mean I was the one that was like late to find out like hip-hop and I was late to like get to because I mean I grew up in a Mexican household where all we listened to was like Rocio Luis Miguel like all these old Hispanic singers and Selena obviously the queen Selena but it took me a while to like catch up you know which if like my little sister my little sister is on it like my sister my little sister knows who like carly b is who and like since the minute she was a baby to like now she's been on it you know and i think us first generations and i think that comes too with even being gay like when you're a first generation gay <laughs> or you're <laughs> just like the first one in your surroundings to be gay there's things that you just don't know that it takes you a while to to know i mean i learned about drag race because i've always listened to podcasts since growing up and i would listen to a podcast The johnny i don't know if you know who johnny mcgovern is but he had a podcast when he was in new york and um he would talk about like drag queens he would talk about like Paris is Bur- burning and you know all these drag movies and every- everything that had to do with drag and i learned because of listening to him so it was like a mentor kind of coming telling me like this is the gay life this is what cruising is this is all these things and that's why i got into it but i mean it happens to everybody i just got to love i got into leather maybe two or three years ago um but i didn't know what leather was before and and that'll be the conversation that'll be the hard talk we have a little bit later (laughs) but let's start off with um how was jose as as a little okay baby as a little boy
0: Oh, as a little drag baby.
1: <laughs> a little drag baby. <laughs> um,
0: well, like I said, I, I, I was actually born in Laredo, Texas, which is a border town uh, with Mexico, which is uh, Nuevo Laredo, Tamaulipas on the Mexico side and Laredo, Texas, American side. And uh, my father is from Nuevo Laredo and my mom, she immigrated. From Guatemala traveling north uh, and she hit that dead end you know the the border with Mexico and the U.S. and eventually you know they got their logistics uh sorted out and crossed the river and I was able to be born here in the U.S. and so that I feel like that that's a big part of the fabric of my life you know my upbringing so just being proud of that story and how my parents were able to make a living and and make a family here in the U.S. Um, So, yeah, I was raised in Port Arthur, which is right outside of Houston, and uh, I grew up pretty like full surrounded by culture because i've gone to guatemala like i lost count how many times i've gone to guatemala and mexico mexico we'll go like once every other month guatemala like once a year i'm super thankful for that upbringing and so as far as me being a little kid mm. i was raised pentecostal because my mom my mom's side i was always part of the church and i was really good at it too but
1: <laughs> you're like she was the best yeah she was the best one at church
0: yeah but you know in the back of my mind i always knew that something was different about me so, so I was always the one that was asking that the, I was, I was the one having the hard talk oh, okay. at Sunday school because I'm like, you're just reading this and it's the law. Like it's the, it's Bible, you know, like, yeah, I, you know, and I'm like, but what if, but what if, but what is that? And what is this, you know, but I never said like, I'm gay. You know, I was just, I'm just asking, you know, <laughs> it was that kind of inquisitive, yeah, very inquisitive. I was always, I was always inquisitive, very curious. Uh, I always questioned a lot of things, but then, if I felt like I was gonna get outed, then I would back off and like not be curious. And I became a quiet person. So a lot of people that like on social media, like I become very like silent and quiet. That's a whole another story. But yeah, and then going through like middle school, high school, I became obsessed with academia. Like I became obsessed with being the best, you know. So I graduated top of my class, you know, for la- number one, like Latino, and all these things. And I was in the newspapers, and and it was all to make mom and my dad proud and now that I reflect on that it was probably to take the attention off of other things about it was like I don't want to have the hard talk with my parents about sex or about gender or about sexuality or or rumors or this or that or maybe the way that I talk or my my feminine characteristics or the way that I walk or carry myself you know i don't want to have those talks i want you to focus on the fact that i'm like the best student in like southeast texas like and i was playing tennis i was very active so yeah i was like i need to win a trophy to like focus on that so i i won like state champ or like tennis and stuff i I did like all these crazy things back then now that i now that i think about it back you know and so yeah it was probably just to like take attention away from my authentic self
1: yeah that's funny that you bring that up um before today before interviewing you i i had an interview with danny and um, he's a personal trainer and um, has an amazing ass um, <laughs> um, but he was saying how and that's what I'm saying it's funny because no matter if it's before you come out or after you come out He was talking about how when he came out, he was a soccer player in college. He felt like he had to play six times better than everybody else just because he was gay. He felt like he had to, you know, if everybody else was putting in one goal a game, he had to put in six goals. I feel like even for me, like that, I felt like I couldn't just be the happy kid. I had to be like the funny kid, the kid that took everybody's attention, that had to have everybody's attention. Just because like what you said, like instead of them paying attention to this thing, now they're paying attention to like me as me being loud or me being funny or me or me being like the one that could talk to everybody because that that, that made the thing i didn't want them to focus about yeah. not there yeah. so it's, it's it's interesting so um did did you always want to be in the celebrity world or working with celebrities yeah
0: no um no so <laughs> i definitely don't consider myself you know wanting to be a celebrity i do want to be known for what i could bring to the table and so that context is up to you right i can, I could be speaking on a panel. I can speak to students. I could be on, I can have a podcast platform. I could be on social media, promoting whatever it is that I'm promoting. Uh, So as far as recognition, I would prefer to be on my what's up here. Like what's, what's like, my mind and the ideas and my creativity and my Rolodex and my my experience and my resume, like that's what I want to be known for uh, as far as like my expertise. But working with celebrities is something that came about because of what I studied. I have a degree in marketing and I have another degree in advertising. And I felt like marketing was too business oriented it was super business math you know economy i had to learn all all this stuff about about what's happening in the industry and i was like no i I feel like it's lacking the creative side like when are we going to create the logo when are we going to talk about like ad campaigns and they're like oh you're majoring in the wrong thing you should probably major in advertising so i got my i got my second degree in advertising and i went to art school for that and when i was in art school i was like whoa this is too artsy like I had classes where I had to, I had like a black and white class. I had a painting class. I had a sculpting class and I'm like, it's super artsy. And it was definitely advertising where we were going to create, you know, commercials and, and uh, print ads for magazines and billboards. So I, I finished that degree. And so what happened is I had to do an internship in order to graduate. I had been working in PR and publicity and public relations for the department of here, there at the school. And I was very blessed and uh, I got selected for like a very high coveted internship here in Los Angeles. And that was my first taste of Los Angeles. I ended up moving to LA 10 years ago in 2009, uh, which is the year I graduated college. And I did an internship for Columbia Pictures at the Sony Entertainment Lot. And that was my, ex- that was my introduction to Hollywood, uh, which is a very high introduction. And so ever since then, that kind of like kicked off my resume. And so every other job that i got after that was related to that experience mm-hmm. and that's kind of like what trick it was a trickle effect so from now on like i'm known as this pop culture guru guy that works in marketing and pr and so being in miami is what added the hispanic layer on top of it so in miami miami is like the hollywood for latinos over there you know do you have the headquarters for telemundo univision uh, mtv espanol uh, all the record labels are there um And so I had the pleasure to working with all these people and everything that we did at all my previous jobs were for Hispanic marketing. It was always focused on the Latino consumer.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you've worked with, I mean, some really really big names you worked with. Sofia Vergara, which funny story, I went with her son. I went to school. With Manolo? Yes, with Manolo. So he went to Birmingham, which is my high school. And when I say I went to school, this is like really lightly I went to school. We like crossed paths and we had one class together. But Birmingham, when I got there, I forgot what year, but Was a performing arts school. So is Birmingham a high school? It's a high school. What? What? Where's that at? Here
0: in Los Angeles, and it
1: is. We've had MTV awards filmed here at that school. We had when Stefani filmed *Hollaback Girl* music video. Eminem. We've had countless of shows. So our our school was very performing arts school, and we had a magnet connected to our to our school that was a only a performing arts school. So um, he was. In his school, but he would take classes. So the thing was that our 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 performing arts was connected to that. So he would take dance first period, and I would take dance first period. So we would we would I would see him in in the dance class. That's awesome. I didn't know who he was. I mean, back then, I think she wasn't in maybe in my in like in my I guess ninth grade radar. radar. And um one day like when Modern Family and all of that happened, um she did a commercial was the Head and Shoulders commercial. And there was this... Yeah, I work- oh really no <laughs> yeah. way his first head and shoulders commercial with his mom and i was sitting in a couch with my mom and i go mom that's manolo and she goes yeah that's her like that like obviously my mom knew who she was like for the she goes yeah that's her son like and i'm like no 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 i went to school with him and i like was like losing my shit like texting out like we were texting all my friends and i was like did you guys know and they're like no we didn't know <laughs> <And I was laughs> that's like,
0: crazy oh.
1: yeah manolo is is
0: really cool uh actually i'll send you a Photo of me and Manolo. I saw him. Where did I see him last? Uh, the Backstreet Boys residency in Las Vegas. But uh, but yeah, Sofia Vergara is somebody who just landed on my desk, like at work. Uh, they were like, "Hey, do you watch Modern Family?" And I was like, uh, "Yes," but I but I'm like <laughs> nodding my head because I I wasn't a fan of the show. I never watched it. It just wasn't it wasn't my thing. And they were like, "Well, it's the number one show." And the Latina that's a star on there, her name is Sofia Vergara. And I, I looked her up and I was like, oh yes, I, I know about her. I just didn't know that she was like this big thing again. And they're like, yeah, Sofia Vergara is like the highest paid actress on, on primetime television at that time. And so I was like, okay, cool. What about her? And they were like, we want to sign her to a deal, a brand deal uh, for these brands that are trying to negotiate. We're talking about millions of dollars. So, mm-hmm. uh, at that time I was like okay like she's beautiful like I like her accent like we came up with all these publicity ideas that we can do with her She's going to end up doing movies and other shows. She's going to be on all the red carpets. So it was a perfect fit. It was for CoverGirl. So CoverGirl was the account that I worked on. Uh, cover Girl, easy, breezy, beautiful cover CoverGirl. It so, was with Ellen, right? Yeah. So we had Ellen. We had Queen Latifah. We had previously had uh, Rihanna. We had Pink. We had Taylor Swift. And so it, we had to welcome Sofia Vergara to the CoverGirl family. And going back to the drag race thing, I used to do these coverage reports for CoverGirl to see like what people are talking about CoverGirl in social media, in the in, in traditional media and magazines. And RuPaul's cover girl song would always come up and I would have to flag it like, no, they're not talking about the makeup, they're talking about the song from the drag queen.
1: Well and yeah, I think when that time was when the iconic, you know, cover um cover girl, don't cover boy, honey. Yeah. And so everybody was like Yeah. Yeah.
0: So we 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 signed Sofia Vergara, and Twitter was like the biggest thing then. And I remember one of my first Sofia Vargas assignment was to type out tweet for her to announce that she was a cover girl. And so, yeah, so we had to like come up with ideas on how she can tweet out the announcement that she was a easy breezy, beautiful cover girl. And she did everything. So with such a comedy. So we did events with her and Ellen and Queen Latifah and all this stuff. And then eventually that campaign was so successful, uh, CoverGirl, Pantene Pro-V, Olay, Tide, Gain, Downey, all these brands, Head & Shoulders, Gillette, Venus, they're all owned by the same company, which is Procter & Gamble, which is, which is an client. Uh, so then she signed yeah. another deal with Head & Shoulders, which is the other account that I worked on. And I was like, look at that. Like I get to work with Sophia again. Yeah. And so for that one, it was all about uh, scalp treatments, right? Head and & Shoulders. And she has, I believe it was her brothers and her cousins and people in her family were, were bald. And so it was a funny idea to have ball people in the commercials and do to uh, somebody as glamorous as Sofia Vergara. But like, if it's, if we wanted to make Head & Shoulders a family product, which is why we integrated her son and her man and like all these different elements. So yeah, that was a really cool campaign. It's funny that you saw that uh, with Manolo. We, we worked with Sofia so much and then from there, she was the first like big Latina to be a cover girl spokesperson, which is a really, really, really big deal in the beauty world, in the beauty industry. And then we discovered Becky G from there,
1: yeah. Which I was, I was about to say, you know. Then you worked, you worked with Taylor Swift, obviously. Becky G, a whole bunch of people, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, and and we can't forget
0: oh, the J-Lo. queen.
1: Look <laughs> cool who yeah. J Lo, you worked with J Lo. You, I mean, not only have you worked with J Lo, but you, 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 you got close to to her
0: yeah so my experience working with with j-lo was was because of a selena Quintanilla collaboration uh which is who i'm really a big fan of from from my my obsession with selena came j-lo right mm-hmm. so uh i had the honor to work with the quintania family uh for the billboard awards i think in miami for telemundo i don't remember all the details and that's how i was able to get close to jennifer lopez and they did a they did a tribute performance for selena at those awards uh, and then every. Ever since then, I've, I've always have met JLo, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll forever be a fan of, of, of Jennifer Lopez um, and hopefully one day I get to work with her in a different capacity on a larger capacity
1: you're for sure living my like my like 12 year old little life wanting to like meet all my idols <laughs> oh, yeah. and and I mean Sophia now I mean and I remember like having conversations with my mom about like you know Latinas who are like putting Hispanic names just right in the forefront like Sofia just opened so many doors yeah. and has brought so much of our culture to to the white audience Um, going a little bit back to to your upbringing were your parents what what was the you know what was their idea for you to when you were growing up yeah going back to like
0: the, the pressures of being like the best that i can be as far as a student and as a as a son my mom my mom has high expectations probably still does because <laughs> you know how like sometimes you tell your mom like oh mom when i grow up i'm gonna buy you a house my mom reminds me all the time <laughs>
1: she's like i'm still waiting for my cousin yeah my casa. and i'm like <laughs> Like, uh.
0: So she's like, she reminds me every time I do something for myself. Like, hey, mom, I bought a Mercedes Benz. Okay, that's cute. But where's my house? <laughs> you know, like, hey, mom, I'm moving from Miami to LA. That's cute. But where's my house? <laughs> so uh, she doesn't let it go. And I kind of like that because it keeps me on my toes and it keeps me working hard. But yeah, my, my going, going back to my mom, like she she probably wanted me to be like president, you know, like she wanted me, I know she wanted me to be a lawyer or a doc, And I think that goes back to like our upbringings, right? As Latinos, they want us to not only live the American dream, because which is why they sacrifice so much for us and for future, uh, the future generation. But they want us to like reach for the stars, like go as high as possible. Don't settle. And so my my mom, I know she wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer. That's partly because the only two things she could think of that were like, that got paid so much.
1: But that's why I'm asking. Cause like, even for me, like, you know, those things that you are saying are things, you know, that job description is not a job that I knew that existed until maybe like two or three years ago. Like maybe if when I was getting into college, I knew that that was a possibility and that was a job out there. I, you know, I would have gone towards that, towards that route. You know, I talked to my best friend and, and we talk about how like being a publicist and being a manager and and being all of these, you know, things for talent is something that I would have always loved. Yeah. And for,
0: for everyone that's listening, because I'm pretty sure you have uh, very young listeners, because you probably like all those young little cute boys uh, <laughs> that, that are following you on your social media for your thirst traps. But uh, <laughs> uh, for everyone that's young and that's listening, like it's never too late to pursue a passion. It's never too late to go to school. It's never too late to learn a new skill uh, or to, to develop, you know, those skills. Uh, I just wish that in high school that our parents who are so hardworking would take the time to really sit down with their kids and and help them think it through. Uh, that's something that I'm trying to do right now with my little sister. She's in high school because they see on TV, you know, like, oh, be a doctor, be a, be a lawyer, you know? But like you said, all these like specific job titles or specific roles in the industry, whether it's entertainment or whatever, it could be travel, it could be beauty, it could be sport. There's so many amazing opportunities and things that you can study. So I think that's where I was, was for fortunate enough that I took the time to research because I was like, what is a major? What, what is an associate's degree, a bachelor's mm-hmm. degree? What do all these words really, really, really mean? Because I'm just looking at the little, you know, graduation, graduation cap and the little scholarship. Like, mm-hmm. it's all cutesy when you think about the college experience and football and things like that. But like, what do all these things really mean? And so, the more I looked into it, the more I was able to define the path for myself. They were like, listen, it's like a restaurant, it's a menu. These are all the majors that we offer. You have to pick one. Don't just pick one because you're going to waste time taking classes and semesters and your money. This is what you can study. And based on those studies, this is what you could be when you grow up, right? So, that's, I like that type of thinking. uh, And I wish that in high schools and Career services and you know uh, these counselors and in high schools would really take the time to to describe to the student.
1: It just I think that's the burden of being first generation. We we are the ones that have to figure it all out. Sadly, I mean my mom doesn't know English well. My mom really her education was really small. Um, and not in a bad way at all. But you know she had she she was born in Guatemala. You know her education is up to a certain level. So there's all these things and like you said. All she saw was on TV, like, become a lawyer, become of this, become of this. You're going to make a lot of money and you'll be set off. Yeah. And not knowing that there's other possibilities. So how does she see your career now?
0: I mean, she's super proud and I've been able to do so much with my career and and I've been able to get all the accolades like you mentioned earlier you know, being an ad week 30 under 30 really put me on the national spotlight with, like you said, the white people and the and the mainstream media. Uh, and then being listed at the most, I think it was called Most Inspiring Latinos for Alegria Magazine, which is actually a, a, a magazine that's based here in Los Angeles. Yeah, I've always been in good company, you know, and I've always, because I'm a publicist and I'm a digital strategist, I know how to position myself, my, my Jose brand, right? I mean, I know how the industry works. So, of course, I'm going to do my own publicity. And I've been able to to associate myself with amazing brands, amazing organizations. I've always been a guest speaker at different um, charities. I've been a guest speaker at different universities, on campuses, uh, on different podcasts. So, um, I really worked hard for myself and for, for what I have. Uh, and my parents are super proud of that. They still don't quite get what I do but they trust me that I'm happy doing what I'm doing so they're they're just gonna go
1: with go along with the flow you know and not only that you're what's called you're making a living and I think that's what parents and the end of the day as 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 a little bit that they hate it that you're not doing what they want you to do and then day, you're able to you know you're able to make your own money and you're able to I thought you were gonna say as long as you don't ask me for money <laughs> <laughs> well I mean sometimes my mom will tell me that go okay go do whatever you want just i'm not paying for it yeah. <laughs> and, and don't come back home <laughs> yeah one tip
0: that i would like to say to the people that are listening is uh work with what you got so like if you're thinking the same way that you were saying chris like oh our parents have a certain level of education and they don't know much what they know like they know sabado gigante you know like they know novelas, yeah. you know so it's like okay well guess what you know there's a producer that has to invite all these celebrities to sabado gigante you know that's called a talent booker and you you can, study, you can study that and learn that craft. And then you have all these novelas. Well, guess what? Someone had to come up with those creative uh, stories and be a writer. So then there's that career, you know? And then when the novella comes on and Thalia is performing all the songs for the, your favorite novelas, like somebody had to do publicity and marketing for those songs and for, and for those shows. So there's jobs behind everything. So I would say use what, use what you got and try to like break it down like that. Uh, speaking of dreams and goals, what is your what is your dream, Chris? career
1: career wise like career like not personal just career uh, wow um career wise okay so um i want i want to and i think i mean i already said that i want to manage people um i want to manage not only people but um i think the ma- the major reason why i started this podcast too is i want to start a network of podcasts that tell people's story. I have always loved hearing people's stories and I'm a giant um, documentary fan because I think the way the way we learn is learning from others' experiences. But I want a, a network where, you know, there's people having light conversations, where there's drag queens talking yeah. about their experiences. And that's, I, w- I want to get to a point where I have my own network and, I, and I'm and i helping people share their stories however they want to share their
0: story. Exactly. So that's what I'm trying to say is that you have this vision up here that you, that you are trying to describe to me right now. Uh, You you may not eloquently say it, like, this is my dream and goal. Why? Because it's a little fuzzy, because you're not really sure. Like, I see this, but I'm just not sure what exactly it looks like. However... At least I'm going in the right direction, right? So if you if your goal is to run a network of podcasts, you need to know how the podcast works. So you took that small action step of like creating hard talks with Chris. Oh so, yeah,
1: yeah. And and this is exactly what it is. I I've always said like, and, and I believe in you should know what you're selling. <laughs> yeah. So I want to for sure like my idea was like I want to grow this. I want to. Put my own story out there. I want to get to the point where like my show, th- this show starts becoming smaller and smaller because I'm helping other people grow. So instead of being a oh, once a week, you know, I want to get to like when it's once a month because I'm helping someone else and there's someone else, you know, talking about their stories. And, you know, so, so for sure, like the, that's why I'm telling you, like, yes, I know what my big picture is and it's fuzzy and it's, but I, I'm not just going to aim for that and just go straight to that. I'm taking the little step, but I know that. Will help me when I do get to that bigger spot. Will help me be so much stronger because I know what a, what it'll take to be a, you know to start a podcast. I won't get mad at someone where they're not giving me the results I want because I know it's like oh well I'm probably asking for too much. It's hard, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It was so great talking to you. Um, I hope I could have you on again some other time. And obviously, you and me love talking, so we we could have a lot. We have a lot of topics to talk about. But thank you, all so much for coming on and sharing your story and
0: yeah i'm i'm like i'm like an open book i mean just because i don't like like what everybody likes doesn't make me (laughs) you know like an asshole but i've got i've gotten that because of the podcast the homo homie podcast like oh really i don't just you know i try to just make people think you know twice before just accepting the norm, you know, um, or not accepting the norm. And so, thank you so much for having me and and having this conversation.
1: Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you're 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 still that little kid at yeah. church trying to be like, well, why, <laughs> why, but why, yeah, <laughs> but why, <laughs> but why an open relationship? I need to have you back for that because that was a a, a conversation that that we should have. To-
0: <laughs> uh, I don't even. I don't. I might not be available for that one.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. well, um where can people find you if 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 they want to see more of you or hear more of you besides the homie homo
0: besides the hiking bushes um
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh and the hiking bushes
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh so just a disclaimer i i that's not me yeah you can definitely check out our podcast the homo homie podcast where eric and i uh, you know have an LGBT talk and so we're coming back for season 2 uh, the homo homie podcast is available everywhere uh Apple Amazon uh Spotify and then people can find me at the jose recendes t h e j o s e and then my last name recendes on Instagram uh Twitter Facebook Snapchat Grinder only fans. actually i am on only <laughs> i'm on only fans 3 times and that i'm going
1: to i'm going to leave that for the next episode <laughs> okay 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 <laughs> I hate you so much. Okay, well, thank you again for coming. And I hope all of you enjoyed this conversation. And if you're going to take anything out of this conversation, is it's hard to, to be the first one, but it's not impossible. And if you have a dream, you could get to it and you could be the best. And please stay away from the bushes <laughs> so you don't see Jose there. All right, thank you. <laughs> bye, guys. Okay, bye so remember to like subscribe leave a comment you can follow me on instagram at chris diva and you can follow the pod at hard talks with chris and i want to give a special thanks to Jamison for letting me borrow his song Buckable, for the intro and
0: outro.